bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you as your people this day in an uncertain time. We pray for your spirit to work in our hearts and our lives that we might be a beacon of light and hope to the world around us, that we might hold up the message of your love for all people, and that we might be your hands to serve the world around us. We pray, be with us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The last verse of our epistle reading today, but God shows or demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Those are important words in this uncertain time. For those of us who have gathered to worship this morning, we find ourselves spaced out in church. We find that things are a little different and perhaps even a little unsettling. There's that hesitation. Do I give that handshake or do I share that hug or do I just use the elbow or do I do this? We're confused. We don't know. There are those of you who are worshiping, I hope, online at home, not only here in the Albuquerque community, but many around the country and, as mentioned earlier, even around the world. We thank you for joining us. Sin interrupts our lives, and yet we are often so used to it that we don't realize the extent to which sin has an impact until something like this comes along. And we're all wondering, how does this impact us? It's as if the last few days this week, everything's been changing by the hour or the moment, and how do we respond, and how do we be responsible Christians in a world filled with panic and fear? I mean, think about it. You been in the stores? I can testify you personally that every Walmart between here and southern Minnesota has no toilet paper. However, I was reminded at Liz and Mark Owens in Seward, Nebraska, that there are plenty of corn cobs. Just saying. What do we do in the world that panics and doesn't know how to respond? In a world where people are afraid and fear begins to rule, the impact of sin becomes a very real thing. It's not just something that those Christians talk about. The fear of death is suddenly before everybody's eyes. 
And there are those who might try to justify it by doing the math and saying the odds are like this. But we don't know. We don't know if that person that we are close to has come into contact with somebody else who's come into contact with somebody else and they might have the germs, the virus, and not even know it. And so we back off. We do have the responsibility as citizens in our world to do what we can to mitigate the impact of a deadly virus. We're taking certain steps even here at worship. The offering plates are in the narthex this morning. Hopefully your elders called you yesterday to remind you of some changes. There's no celebration of Holy Communion this morning because we simply didn't have time to put some things into place to do that in a way that gives everybody confidence. We're encouraging you not not to hand in your worship folders at the end, but just to take them home with you because we don't want to have things that you touch go to somebody else. The backs of the pews will be wiped down in between worship services because we know that you've grabbed a hold of them to stand up and sit down. No children's message because, well, they're too close to me and, you know, I carry every germ imaginable. I do have to say that Bob is sitting in Sally's seat this morning and he has nowhere near the singing voice of Sally. Things are different. Activities around our campus have been curtailed, shut down for at least a week. School is out for three weeks. It's different. But if you look at it from a Christ viewpoint, what many people are facing is not simply a virus, but the impact of what sin does in our world. The reality of death is facing many people for the first time. Something that we recognize all the time. And so how do we, uh, as a people of God, engage the world even in the midst of trying to keep our distance in our, in our, in our protective space, if you will? What's, what's the word, the phrase that's being used? Social distancing. What's it all mean? We are reminded by St. Paul's words to the Christian saints in Rome, that therefore, since we have been justified by, by faith, we have peace with God. And that peace comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of the struggles, the challenges, the trials of this world, in the midst of the diseases and the illnesses of this world, we still have peace. 
peace that passes all of our human understanding because our peace is in, in Christ who, who understands what it means when the lion lays down with the lamb. We don't get it. But he does. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, our hope is not in the medical cures of the world or the next vaccine around the corner or a way to mitigate the illness here or there. Our hope is in Christ. For we as Christians, even though we face death all day long, we don't need to be afraid because we know where we're going. We're going home to heaven to be with Jesus. And that gives us not only hope, but it also gives us strength that we can walk in this world without fear. That we can, if you will, not panic when there's no toilet paper on the shelves. In fact, let me paraphrase a verse from Scripture to you from Jesus who reminds his disciples, if you come across someone with no cloak and you have two, give him them one of yours. If you come across someone with no toilet paper and you have two rolls, share one of yours. In other words, recognize the needs of people around you in the midst of this crisis. Even as we separate ourselves with that social distancing, we take the time to check in on each other, to call each other, to love each other, to support each other, to reach out to our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers and our fellow body of Christ to make sure that their needs are being met to those who should be a little more cautious because of age or, or health conditions. We pay attention to them when we ask them, what is it that you need? What is it that I can do for you? We care for one another, not being fearful, but trusting God. That's important doesn't mean that we have to throw caution to the wind. We can still take those precautions that are necessary. But we don't want to simply isolate ourselves and close the doors and pay attention only to our own little world. You see, in the midst of what our nation and our world faces, we have opportunities as Christians to minister and to show what hope in Christ is, and to show what it means to reach out with a gospel of love and grace and mercy. We face many things in our world as Christians have through the ages. And Paul reminds the church in Rome, he says to them, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces Endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, what do we do? We remember that there is no greater love 
than that which Christ has for us, that he laid down his life for our sins and no greater love that, that we can show his love to a world around us. Why? Because we know that Christ died for the ungodly and we are among those who are ungodly. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and no one is righteous, not even one. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all had disobedience against God in our hearts. But that didn't stop him from going to a cross to die for our sins in our place, taking our punishment upon himself. Wow. Do we deserve it? No. Are we worthy of it? No. Did we even ask for it? No. And yet God so loved the world. God so loved each and every one of us that he sent his only begotten son to die for our sins. So how do we, in the midst of a sinful world that's filled with deadly viruses, how do we minister to the world around us? We remind the world and those around us that there's something even more deadly than a coronavirus. Do the math, do the statistics. Well, pastor, 3% of people who get it die. Well, let me tell you this, 100% of those who get sin die. There is no cure for sin other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is a wake-up call for people. It's an opportunity for us to remind people that there is a God who is greater than us, who recognizes our need for life and who grants life to us through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so to whom do we turn in this time of need? We turn to Christ. Why? Because he died for us. We turn to Christ. We become a people of prayer. As our president calls us on this day to be a people of prayer, to pray to our God in this time of crisis. We pray, but it shouldn't take a president to call us to prayer. Because as a people of faith, we pray regularly and constantly and continually for our needs and for the needs of those around us. And so what do we do? Because we don't know. We're saying three weeks. We don't know how long this disruption, this virus will impact us. We don't know how long our daily routines are going to be displaced. We don't know how long our natural inclination to reach out and shake somebody's hand is going to be, can't do that. So what do we do? And how do we live? We live as God's people. We live because even when this virus dissipates in life, returns to normal, the reality of sin is still there. The reality of death is still there. And the immediacy of touching people's lives with the hope of Jesus Christ 
and the gospel of salvation will always be there. And so what do we do over the next several weeks? We continue to do the same things that we have been doing. We serve one another in love. We just take that extra measure of time and effort to pick up the telephone. As far as I know yet, the CDC has not determined that this coronavirus can be spread through the telephone or by texting or by FaceTime or over webcasting worship services. But we do have the wonderful gifts of technology to be able to stay in contact with people, to continue those connections, to continue to minister to each other, to take the extra time to think about someone who might be in need and to pick up the phone and call and ask. I'm going to say it. Spread the word. Tell people around us, don't be afraid to ask for help. If you need something, call your elders, your lay ministers, call me, call the church office. We're not even sure how that's going to be staffed yet during this time, but call. Say, I have a neighbor who needs some groceries. I have someone who needs a ride to the doctors. I have a family here that needs some assistance somehow with child care. Or I have a neighbor who's been laid off from work because their small business can't afford to keep them during this time. Call. If you're in the grocery store and they actually do stock up with some toilet paper and stuff and you can grab some extra, more than what you need, bring some by the church office so we can give it out with our food pantry to those who might need it. Or to others who say, it sounds silly but I need toilet paper. Think of people around you. Be willing to extend that hand. If you're nervous about the distances of people, then you can play the game that I used to play when I was a kid called Ding Dong Digit, which means you run up to a doorbell and you ring it and you run. Set the food on the porch if you have to. Set the bag there, stand back, wave, and say, do you need anything else? Remember, this isn't about us catching it so much as it is making sure that we don't carry it to people inadvertently. Love one another as Christ loves us. Serve one another as Christ serves us. Don't operate out of fear, but operate out of love and compassion. Be prudent, be smart, wash your hands a hundred times daily if need be. I was confused a little bit yesterday. I couldn't remember if they said wash for 20 seconds or 20 minutes. Do what you need to do. It's all good practice anyway in daily life. Take it serious, but don't be afraid. For Christ holds our lives in his hands. Christ's love abounds. Why? Because he died for every one of us. He carried the illness and the disease of sin to a cross for our sake. Hear the verse one more time. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, for you, for me, for our co-workers, our neighbors, our classmates, for those all around. He died because he loves each and every one of us more than we even love ourselves. 
Don't be afraid. Focus on Christ. Serve one another as he has served us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now hear these words, perhaps again, for the hundred thousandth time, but hear, hear them maybe in a new way. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.